Hey, Alan, you know what time it is? It's always a good time when I get to hear your voice. <laughs> well, the feeling is mutual, but I was thinking it's soul training time and has been now for a, a year, a year of soul training. It's a gift that keeps on giving. It does that. It does that. And uh, Mark, this uh, one-year anniversary of, of the beginning of soul training, we wanted to uh, honor you, our dear listener, by letting you know we have heard you and share with all our, our newer listeners the number one episode from this first year of Soul Training. Um, it's, what's the episode title? What Happens When We Die. What Happens When We Die. That's a question, that's a great question. And uh, so if you'd like to go back and revisit uh, our discussion of that, I think it was a, it was a good one as best I remember it. Um, and that's not our opinion. That's We're going by the numbers. That's right. The people have spoken. You, our dear listener, have spoken. So, uh, without further ado, let's talk about what happens when we die. Soul training. Time to practice what you preach. Ooh, yeah. Yes, we do. We've got soul training. Daniel, when's the last time you dunked on somebody? Does my kids' like backyard goal count? It does. It, it does. does. It sure does. Uh, then you know, probably just a couple of weeks ago. Well, I didn't realize uh, that you're a baller until I saw that picture on Facebook. I, you'd posted, and I had to do a double take because I thought it was the 1992 Dream Team. I was looking for Magic and Bird and Jordan. Yeah, and yeah. Like, whoa, West Daniel. I was on that team. I was um, with Christian Leitner. With Christian Leitner, yeah. I was right beside him. Well, you know, you mentioned Christian Leitner. That's that's not popular here in Kentucky. No, but, it's not. Um, I back during that era, I was actually playing little league baseball in Durham, North Carolina. Ooh. Christian Leitner came to our opening day. Really? And I got it. Someone inviting? Well, well, he was still in school there at Duke. Oh. And I got his autograph. But wow. I, I don't brag about that here in Kentucky too often. No, not in yeah. Kentucky. You wouldn't want to no. do that. If no. you did, I hope you don't run out of gas. Right. That's why I'm glad I mentioned it on this, you know, <laughs> non-public setting. We're not recording yet, are we? Uh, not yet. Okay. Good. Yeah. Good. It's uh, yeah. I, 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 that's. I just thought you look. You had the dress. You look great, and everything. Uh, you know the. I didn't. Of course, it was a steel photo. But I was just going to share. You know, when I saw that picture, it took me back to my days. The the crescendo of my basketball career happened in uh, about ninth, about this time of year in 1987. I was uh, a freshman in high school. I was a role player, which meant that I was kind of like an assistant coach because I sat right next to the coach during the games. So I thought it was like helping him out. But we had a great thing happen. Four of our five starters got mad and they quit. Oh, wow, that is they, great. They quit. It was great for me. And uh, <laughs> so that – I was then inserted to the, into the lineup as a starting center. So we went to a neighboring rural mm-hmm. school uh, to play basketball on a Saturday morning. And, uh, you know, I had the sweatbands, you know, the Converse shoes, you know, 1987. That's all, do you I, have a picture of this? I do, my yearbook. I'd, and, I'd love uh, to see that. You got to but, see my throwback picture. Well, uh, well, be careful. That was in the era of the short basketball shoes. Uh-oh. <laughs> and the long socks. My socks went to my knee. I look uh, you know, I look like Michael Cooper, but uh, anyway, they threw the ball up. I got the tip and uh, tapped it to our uh, point guard, who took about four dribbles to the elbow there, just below the top of the key, and he drained a jump shot. And I'm I'm fist, you know, I'm air 
I'm throwing my fist up in the air, you know, backpedaling down the crowd towards the crowd, talking, you know, a lot of a lot of trash to everybody. After you know, within about two trips up and down the floor, I'm out. I mean, I can't. I, I look over at the coach, and we're down to it's him and one more player on the bench because other everybody else quit. And I said, Coach, can you get me a timeout? He said, No, can't do it. He said, just play defense. So for the rest of the half, I just played defense. It was four on five on the on our offensive end, but then you know I shut down the break. I was already on, I was already back, uh-huh. and so I just played defense that first half. And uh, so if you were just staying on the defensive end, then were you wondering wondering what life was like on the other side? I didn't care because I could breathe. I could <laughs> I, I could I could breathe. I, I think my jersey number was sixty one. Mm-hmm. I think in you know freshman basketball. So me and that coach are still friends today, and he we get a good laugh about it every now and then. I had a good shot. I just couldn't run, but nobody will sanction half court basketball in our state. So it was full court. Um, so is everything going your way? Okay. Oh, everything's just right. That coffee smells awful good. It's better than my soft drink. Oh, so. it tastes good too. Uh, well, I'm glad we're back together again. Uh, uh, that's actually a country song, I think. Together again. That probably I'm, so. Yeah. I'm glad we're back together again here, uh, talking about some soul training because all souls are important. And we have a question that uh, that came our way that very important, very deep, very rich, uh, and I. I use the word very weighty, very heavy question that I think that we're going to try to tackle a little bit, make some points using uh, the good book that we know as as the Bible, as Scripture. And that question is simply, what happens when we die? And I think every person that uh, has the cognitive ability to think, uh, reason, comprehend, probably on some level uh, has asked that question, what happens when we die? So we're going to try to, to, you know, outside of talking some basketball and, uh, you know, short shorts and tall socks, we're going to try to tackle that a a, a little bit. Uh, So how would you or what experiences have you had maybe with people who have tried to answer that, what happens when we die? Well, you know, that's kind of um, one of the most important questions that, that we can ask, and it's something that every philosophy, every world religion, every way of looking at uh, at life tries to account for in some way. Even if you're an atheist, you're saying nothing happens you know, when you die. Or if you're subscribing to one of the, the Eastern religions, then it, there's some uh, spiritual things you, you think might happen, or, or you believe in um, reincarnation, or, or one of these, these different things. Uh, and we can spend a lot of time on those things, but I think we're going to go ahead and assume that most people are coming at this from basically a Christian uh, perspective right? Um, that are listening to this podcast anyway. But there's a, a lot of, even among Christians, ideas about what happens when you die that uh, I think sort of aren't, aren't taught b- biblically. You know, that maybe there's some some misnomers, some myths, and maybe we can get to some of those things uh, as as we go. You know, and some of those those myths, um, you know, as we know that uh, lots of times that we all come from a sincere good place. Sometimes when we're trying to rationalize or reason something. Many years ago, I was on a uh, in our state when we had writing portfolios, and so I was. Uh, 
get asked and given the opportunity to spend two or three days in our library with the other team scoring portfolios. And I remember one student, she had written just a wonderful, wonderful personal narrative, and she was dealing with the loss of her grandmother. And uh, she was convinced that her grandmother was reincarnated, that her grandmother came back as a bird mm-hmm. that uh, that's kind of stayed around in their garage. And she just found great peace in that bird. And while the the content was lacking, uh, the the technical side was, you know, it, it was good, grammatically correct. But I could tell by this middle school student that she was really dealing with the loss of her grandmother, but that was how she was being taught at home was mm-hmm. that – that that was how she found peace, and uh, why that's that's sad, and, and my heart went out to her, and, and I felt badly. But what I felt even still feel more badly about today is that uh, being misguided, because that's not what what the Bible teaches. That's not what God has laid before us. Right, uh, and sometimes you, you kind of gauge it in the moment as to if somebody is going through grief, you know, how much you're going to kind of nitpick about. Let's let's be really accurate about this, and how much are you going to just kind of give space for? Well, you know, we we can deal with that maybe maybe later on. Um, another similar kind of thing that I hear people uh, talk about with with regard to death is the belief that we become angels when when we die, and they'll say, you know, well, so and so is an angel now, or or God must need him more than we do, and he's he's an angel. Um, and that that has some comforting thought to it. There's nothing in the Bible that that teaches that. No, uh, that's just not a a, a biblical conclusion to, yeah. to come and you, to. And you touched on something the the teaching part, and and you know if we all hopefully, like you said, the man, I really like how you refer to those who are tuning in, who are hopefully by now are are following us, following this podcast is a dear listener. I really like that, and. You know, our dear listeners, you know, come from the idea that we accept Scripture and that we're going to strive to do what the, what Scripture says. Uh, and you made a good point, uh, too, that, you know, if you're, you give people some space, I mean, um, you know, if we go visit or try to console someone at the funeral home or in a hospital setting, that's not the time to have that type of discussion at that time. Yeah, you're, you're not going to shout them down then. No. Yeah. No, not not then. And uh, but I, the point I wanted to make too, I guess, what scripture for me, where I start with is, is in the you know from a, a scripture standpoint, Hebrews nine twenty seven tells us, and as it is appointed for men to die once, but after this the judgment. So for me, when I when I began my Christian walk uh, twenty plus year or twenty years ago, roughly, and. I try to go back to have some awareness. You know, what does the scripture say? And when I have those conversations with others, I think you've got to agree that, hey, let's agree on on the Bible. Let's agree on what God's word says, and let's begin there. And the Bible plainly teaches that it's appointed once for all of us to to die. Then the judgment. We all have a limited number of sunsets. And that is that's absolutely true. And that's something that, whatever we believe about uh, what happens immediately after we die, we've got to accept the fact that death is a, a part of, of our reality, and we have to have a, a philosophy about that that takes that into account, and we don't do ourselves or anybody else any favors by pretending that death isn't real. And that's one thing. I've, I've thought about this with our, our modern Western culture. Kids today are exposed to death 
so much less maybe than kids anywhere in the world and in history ever have been before. It's their their lives are are sanitized um, to to a point where it's it may be more difficult for them to to deal with grief, uh, to deal with death whenever they are faced with it, because they don't see it as much as as other times and places have. That's a difficult thing, uh, of course. You know, we're we as in my wife and I, we're blessed to have two teenagers now. But at one time, they were very very small, and I remember early on that. We had to make that decision if we were going to the funeral home to visit a family. Okay, when do we take them? But we have to. We have mm-hmm. to begin that walk, that conversation, that thought, breaking the ice. And because you don't want to, you know, our kids or anybody to grow up in a in a world that where death doesn't exist or they're shielded from everything. And so it has to be, you know, done with with a balanced uh, approach. Um, Alan, you always talk about in your lessons how you want to prepare with the end in mind. It's a phrase I've heard you use many times. We got to live that way. We got to live with the end in mind. You think about movies. Um, I don't watch as many movies as I, I want to. I've started watching a lot more uh, a certain type of movies with my my wife that she's kind of uh, we kind of watch together all the time. Uh, you know, I still it's my it's. You know, in order for her to get watch sports with me, I've got to, you know, we've got to watch, you know, the, the herd movies too. So, uh, but when you think about movies, um, what always comes towards the end of a movie, it's the end. You know, we have to, like you said, reality that we have to remember that there is an end coming for, for all of us. Um, so when you think about what happens, you know, once we've established that we know that we're not going to last forever, we're not going to live forever. You think about what happens when we die. And I heard a friend of mine say once that Scripture provides us with an opportunity to metaphorically kind of peek behind the curtain. And in Scripture, if you go to uh, Luke chapter 16, beginning in verse 19, uh, I'd like to read those, Luke 16, verses 19 through 31, and we get to see uh, what what is going on, what happens when we die. And we'll make a few points, a few comments about that. Joe, or you have anything you'd like to interject? You're being an awful good boy today. <laughs> no, I'm just listening. I'm trying to learn something. Well. Not uh, like the other podcasts. No. I'm well, really, really paying attention on this one. Okay. Well, I, I appreciate that. You know, or I know Daniel does too. We. <laughs> Uh, and when hear what we kind of set the stage in Luke 16, beginning of verse 19, we have a rich man and we have Lazarus. Lazarus, and you think about a rich man in, in terms of our society, and you think of someone who has everything, uh, maybe clothes, maybe access to anything and everything that they need, and you have Lazarus, someone who's just the opposite, who doesn't have access to food, who doesn't have fine linen, fine clothes, and you know, in 2020, we might say name brand items, those kind of things. And so as we read the uh, rich, about the rich man of Lazarus, we'll, we'll make a few points and, and just kind of digest some things about what Scripture teaches us when, so to answer the question, what happens when we die? Beginning in verse 19, it says, There was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. So it was 
that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And being in torments in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that all that in your lifetime you received your good things and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted and you are tormented. And besides all this between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those from there pass to us. Then he said, I beg you, therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Abraham said to him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to him, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded through one rise, though one rise from the dead. And when I think about how rich and how deep um, that section of of Scripture is, we get to really have a close-up view, as you might say, of what what is going on when when we die uh, based on our obedience to Scripture, how we've treated others, and that we truly are uh, rewarded both for, for the good and the bad things that we've done in this life. So I think this is a good jumping off point for what happens when we die. So, Yeah, this, this text gives us a um, <clears throat> maybe our most extensive look at what happens right after we die. You know, we've already established the idea that we're going to be held accountable after this life for the way we've lived this life. There's going to be judgment after this life, but when does that take place? And I would suggest that the final judgment, the the sentencing, if you will, doesn't really take place until Jesus returns on what you know we'd commonly call the judgment day. But nevertheless, there's not going to be a lot of um, a lot of suspense as to what our final destination is. Right after we die, we're going to go into this Hadean realm. You know, some people treat the word Hades like it's a synonym for hell. It's not. Hades and hell are two different things. Hades is just the, the realm of the dead. That's where we believe all dead spirits are now. That's what's described here in this text you've read. Uh, it has two sides to it, a gulf in between, you know, torment on one side where the rich man was, Abraham's bosom also called paradise, and on the other side where Lazarus was. And so I think this describes where we wait for the for the judgment day. Yeah, so after right after we die, we wake up, if you will, in in one of these two places uh, while we uh, await the final sentencing of of Jesus's return. And you know what strikes me, of course, I'm trying to, as you mentioned a few minutes ago, and, and you're right. I, that's one of the things I strive to do when I, I teach a Bible class or just have a conversation or to approach my day is I try to begin each day with, with the end in mind. And as I look through towards the end, you know, when I, it is a sobering thought, and it should be that, you know, we do need, like in that movie I mentioned, you know, there's going to be a slide at the very end that says the end. And for us, there will be a time when it is our last day, mm-hmm. our last breath. There will be a last 
you know, fill in the blank. And so for me, I try to think about what can we do? What can I do? What can I help others to do to be prepared? Uh, because when you think about going to this, uh, to this Hadean realm and you think about the Gulf and, and you, and I want to think about where do I want to be? Which side do I want to be on? And I think it's, it's pretty plain, you know, where, uh, we all want to be. And so we have to, to me, this sex description not only provides some insight, but it also provides some fuel for me to, to push me to go, okay, uh, what can I do to make sure that I'm being obedient, but being loving and being submissive? Uh, because this is my opportunity right now while I'm awake, I'm up, I have an opportunity to study and tell others what the gospel says. So I want to make sure that uh, once I realize what happens when we die, that uh, I want to make sure that we're not experiencing torments, as, as, as you might say. Yeah, that's what the rich man was desperate for after... He found out he couldn't get any relief for himself. He wanted to send that message back to his loved ones uh, that so they could adjust their lives uh, accordingly, which is, you know, sometimes <clears throat> an obstacle that people encounter in, in deciding to come to Christ is they say, well, if, if I accept this and I believe these teachings, then in essence I'm admitting that this loved one that I have that's already dead, that didn't believe these things, I'm... I'm, I'm admitting that that they might be lost, that they're suffering the, this stuff. Well, if if that's true, if they are lost, this person that you loved and that loved you, then the thing they would mo- want most desperately is for you not to do what they've done. They would want desperately to get a message to you uh, to help you to have a different fate than, than they are. And, you know, that's even referenced here in, in Scripture. If you go back to verse 25, what I just read, but Abraham said, son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted and you are tormented. And you think about uh, the rich man wanting those who are left behind to hear the message. And, um, and you think about the loved ones and it is a challenging or painful thing to think about. You know, you think about family members, friends, parents, who have, who have passed away, and, and we know that they were not uh, obedient to Christ. And we, like you said, it's hard for us to admit that they're being tormented, but we see the response that if that is the case, then they don't want us to be tormented. They want us to be comforted. So what our response is is to make sure that we are being submissive, we're being uh, growing, we're growing in knowledge, uh, and truth as we seek to strengthen our faith. Uh, so I think that that's, you know, it's very eye opening, uh, you know, to me and hopefully to, to others too, but, uh, it, it's, it's real. We need to make sure that we're doing all that we can to, uh, you know, I went, I mentioned a few minutes ago on a, on a mission trip a few years ago to Honduras. And one of my best buddies was Chris, uh, Donovan. And, uh, I was, we were standing on the back kind of the, um, I guess the second level of the little hotel that we were in. And, you know, we'd been there about three or four days and we were about 4,000 miles away from home. And I said, you know, I really miss my wife and kids. I really miss my kids. And they were much smaller then. And he says, well, I miss mine too. But he said, that's why we got to make sure that we're teaching them what the Bible says so that we can all be in heaven together one day. Mm-hmm. And so that for me, that's the, the response. Of the, I guess the, the second part of that is, 
we know we've established what happens when you die, but also what can we do to to ensure that we're doing our best uh, to be comforted and not tormented. Um, Alan, a, a question I would have uh, if I were one of our dear listeners, so I imagine some of them have this question too, hearing our description of, of the Hadean realm and what happens here, uh, why even have the judgment day? If we already know if we're going to be saved or lost when we die, we're already experiencing uh, uh, comfort in Abraham's bosom or we're experiencing uh, torment, when what's, uh, what's heaven and hell about? What's the judgment day about? How would you respond to that? I would respond that it's a way for, uh, I heard it explained once, that it's a procurement day, you know, that it's an an announcement day, you know, that everyone uh, will be identified as being obedient or disobedient. And it also reminds, you know, because you think about so many people uh, who have already passed away, even at the time of, of Jesus, that the last time some of those folks saw him, he was... Uh, struggling on the cross. So for me, I, I would respond as it's a way for them to see a visual that Christ is king and that he didn't die on that cross, that this is an announcement day, that he is the king of kings and that he was right, is right, and will always be right. Uh, so for me, I think it's it's a very strong visual that... Uh, you know, he. You may have seen him last struggling on the cross, but he didn't remain there. And it's going to be a, a must see event, right? Mm-hmm. I agree with that totally. Um, I think there's something else too that is is taking place uh, on that day. Is you know, death is the separation from uh, of the body from the from the spirit, right? They they go their separate ways. You know, the the body, the physical body, is is planted in the grave or disposed of in whatever ways. Uh, your family chooses to do so, uh, um, and then your soul goes to the Hadean realm, like we we talked about. Uh, but I think there's something that that's that's temporary about that relationship. The soul needs a a body, wants a body for there to be uh, wholeness there. And here here's kind of where I'm getting that in First uh, Corinthians chapter 15, uh, starting in verse 42, it says, "So also is the resurrection of the dead." It is sown a perishable body, it is raised an imperishable body. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory, it is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, then there also is a spiritual body. So also it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living soul. The last, Adam, became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, then the spiritual. You know, it talks about these two different types of, of bodies, the spiritual body and the natural body. And we have our, our natural body now, but then we're going to have a, a spiritual body. Verse 47, uh, the first man is from the earth, uh, earthy. The second man is from heaven. As is the earthy, so also is are those uh, who are earthy. And as is the heavenly, so also are those who are heavenly. Just as we have borne the image of the earthy, we will also bear the image of the heavenly. Now I say this, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. 
we will not all sleep. Now, sleep there is a euphemism for, for die. Uh, but we will all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. Uh, for that trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed. I think that's part of what's taking place on the judgment day is that's that's when we're changed. We receive our our imperishable, eternal body, those that are still alive and haven't died uh, by that time, that's when they're going to be changed. They're going to receive their uh, eternal body as well. And so that's sort of the, um, that's part of the, part of the reward is, is that that completeness is going to be restored. The completeness is going to be restored. And you think about all the physical ailments that we have. I mean, we're, uh, hopefully you're listening to this podcast and it's, you know, it's been recorded just a few weeks ago where it may be five years from when you heard it, but you know, we're all wearing masks now and there are no masks in heaven and there are no, uh, wheelchairs in heaven. There are no braces in heaven and, uh, all those things that it's, uh, like you said, it a, we're a total re- restoration. That's something to definitely to look forward to. Uh, so what happens when we die is that, uh, we, like, you know, we already touched on in scripture that there is a, a gulf that, that is fixed and, uh, that we, we're making our choices now to where we'll end up. So mm-hmm. we want to make sure that we're going to be comforted and, and not tormented in those choices. Yeah, I was going to raise, I was going to raise my hand to make a point, but you were on a roll. Keep going. Go on. Oh, that, that's okay. I was just saying that we need to, to make sure that, uh, we're walking, we're growing with, with Christ and not rebelling and and seeking you know there you know i've learned a long time ago that there are no bad questions that you know if you know we all need to be asking questions every day about the resurrection about heaven about all those things and how can we uh, continue to grow through asking questions because that's what god wants us to do Mm -hmm. because he wants us to be comforted and not not tormented but uh choices do have consequences and the choice is ours uh to whether we want to move closer or move away so we want to make sure that uh, when, because we know that uh, when we die, that um, you know that we will spend eternity somewhere. Mm-hmm. The one thing, you know what? I'm going to do it. They don't know it, but I do have a microphone, so I'm going to use it. <laughs> um, Alan said he likes me to be in the background, but uh, I've got the control board, so. You can't keep Big Show Joe in the background. <laughs> so I'm going to use the mic. This you can't time. stop him. You only hope to contain him. <laughs> That's exactly right. Well, one thing that has always comforted me is we've had a, a minister friend, uh, Steve. I heard him say one time, whenever you're in the room, when a member of the church passes away, that that is a spiritual event, that there are angels escorting that person Away. And that has always comforted me, thinking, you know, you, there's not a time when you're alone. Whenever you die, you're not just laying there alone by yourself. You're escorted. Um, if, you've done, if you've lived, hopefully you're escorted uh, to paradise. And that's always, that's always comforted me. And that's, I'm going to turn my microphone off now, let you guys handle that. That's, that's hugely comforting because if we go back and uh, I know, I know, switching back to Luke 16, but in verse 22, it says, so it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels of Abraham's bosom. And I think about never being alone. You know, I, a friend of mine 
that we got a few years ago to come do a, a family seminar. He had a, uh, out in Colorado, he had a grandson who was, um, you know, probably six or seven years old as was the family was involved in a, in a car accident on an icy road in Colorado. And Jerry said, you know, he, I know he's without a doubt. He said that, uh, the angels, uh, carried his little soul to heaven, you know? So he was, he took great comfort in that. He could say that without any, um, voice cracking or anything, but with full assurance and confidence because of he knew where uh, his his grandson was. That is a, a comforting thing. I think for e- even for a lot of Christians, they might say, I'm not scared of, of being dead, but I'm scared, I'm scared of dying, you know, that, that process. That, you know, is, is that going to be painful? Is it going to be scary? What, what's that going to be like? And just this idea that you guys have been talking about of the angels being there to escort you away, uh, adds a little piece to that. Um, uh, another text I want to make sure we bring in here. I know we're getting close to the end of our, our time, but is First uh, Thessalonians chapter four. Here's a, a passage that Paul was writing. You know, not many people have this question now, but some of his original audience then was thinking, you know, hey, Jesus hasn't come back yet, and we've got some loved ones that have died, and what's going to happen to them? And so he's he's writing, trying to comfort them, and in so doing, he gives us a little more insight into what that second coming is going to be like. And he said in verse 13, But we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep. Again, another euphemism for being dead. Those who are asleep, so that you will not grieve, as do the rest of uh, as to the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with Him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. All right, hang on right there and, and get a. A, a visual, a direction. Here we imagine Jesus bringing with him those who have already fallen asleep uh, in, in Jesus um, so that they're kind of descending from above. And picking up in verse 15, For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. I know, wait a minute. He just told us two verses before, or in the verse before, that Jesus is going to bring with him those who have fallen asleep, and now he's saying the dead are going to rise. Well, what's rising and what's being brought? I think the, this, this body is rising, the soul is being brought. We're going to have this moment of of reunion, uniting body and soul into a uh, an eternal body, a spiritual body that's going to last uh, throughout all of all of eternity. And then verse seventeen, then we who are alive and remain with them will be caught up together with them in the clouds to the to meet the Lord in the air, and we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another. With these words, and when the Bible specifically tells you that words are for comfort, then um, you know you can take some some solace in what's being said there. And I just kind of wanted to to wrap up, and I'm so thankful that uh, you know talk about finishing strong. Thank you, Daniel, very much for helping us finish strong. And I wanted to kind of hone in just one on verse 18 because I think that's what we're all looking for. You talked about that people aren't afraid of maybe of dying, but just that transition and, and, and eternity and be, and 
being beyond of or in eternity. Verse 18 says, therefore, comfort one another with these words. But in verse 17, um, that then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet their Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. And that's where I, I want to always be. I don't want to be tormented. I want to be com- comforted. I want to be walking uh, with the Lord. I want to be there in heaven. I don't want to uh, to deal with all the things that we read that the rich man is dealing with uh, because it's all very real. Um, Daniel, you've done an, an awesome job answering the question of what happens when we die, and hopefully we'll get to revisit this uh, in another episode sometime soon. But uh, until then, we will look forward to being together, uh, maybe answering another question and talking uh, a little bit more about uh, about basketball. I'll re- next episode, I'll reveal my, my vertical leap. Well, I can't uh, wait. But, uh, I can't wait. Uh, I, you know, we've just been talking about when we're going to be called up. We'll all have this great vertical leap, right? Yeah. That's, that's, this, that's the, the ultimate vertical leap. Can I guess your vertical leap? Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm gonna go somewhere near zero because that's <laughs> let me let me pick this let me pick this sheet of paper up. It's not the height, nor is it the width, but it's the flatness. That's my vertical leap. So, so we'll see. We'll do an experiment. That's right, and uh, so it was, that's the only thing that kept me out of professional sports was speed, size, quickness, and talent. That's it. That's that's all. It's uh, small obstacles. I was coachable. Yeah, you know so. Well, dear listener, we want to thank you for joining us and being a part of this. And email us. Let us know what uh, questions do you have about the afterlife. What have you heard? Do you, is there something that we missed? Uh, do you disagree with us? We're happy to hear about that. Um, let us know and tune in next time. Time to practice what you preach. Yes, we do. We've got soul training. To learn more, you can email us at soultrainingpodcast at gmail.com or you can write to us, P.O. Box 503, Glasgow, Kentucky, 42142. That's soul training.